This is the Architecture and Innovation Podcast by Syraclad, featuring one-on-one interviews with designers, contractors, city managers, and civic leaders, as well as thought leaders committed to sustainability, innovation, and solutions that are attractive, affordable, and create healthy living environments. Our podcast eliminates the challenges, breakthroughs, and proven solutions brought to industries, organizations, and our communities. The Architecture and Innovation Podcast is underwritten by Syraclad. The Syraclad Rainscreen Fiber Cement Siding System, a proven track record of performance in Japan for nearly 40 years. Zero chemicals, triple coated and factory finished color layering. The ceramic and photocatalytic coat provides 365 day self-cleaning and a 20 year fade limited warning. This high performance siding system serves as an honored innovation with parent company Panasonic and Kubota. For more information, please visit Syraclad.com. For our guest today, we're uh, we're truly honored and excited to welcome Rachel Dilbeck of Duma, a Northern California-based architectural and design firm. Rachel is a certified interior designer and is the chief design officer. I love that chief design officer and addition remodel department head. As licensed architects in California, Utah, and Idaho, and many other states, they're Experience in multifamily residential, restaurants, bars, breweries, schools, churches, modular construction, steel frame buildings, retail shopping centers, and commercial tenant improvements. You can find them on the web at domum.design. That's D-O-M-U-M dot design. Hello, Rachel. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you for having me. Rachel, you have a quote or a prayer or mantra that uh, really matters much to you? Yeah, so kind of one thing that gets me through, I guess, both life and uh, work side of things is Maya Angelou's quote, and she says, you can't use up creativity. The more you use it, the more you have. Um, So, I mean, with anything, the more you're designing and kind of using that side of your, uh, your brain and flexing those creativity muscles. Um, I think the more that you have and the more you kind of play around with things, I mean, messing up is probably good. Um, bad design can create good design because you got to start somewhere. <laughs> I like that. How did you come up with your company name? So Domum uh, was initially created by Tim Alatori. He's our principal architect. Um, and he was kind of rebranding. Um, he wanted to make the company feel like a home. Um, so Domum is actually Latin for home. Um, and we, throughout the company, um, try and make our clients feel as much at home as possible because it can be a very stressful experience working with an architect and um, kind of going through the permitting process. So we want to make sure everyone feels like family. The rebranding. How do you deal with the, the rebranding? Because not a lot of architecture or design firms brand themselves. So Tim did a really good job. Um, I wasn't around. He rebranded in 2015, I believe. Um, and he had just separated from a previous partner um, in the firm. So he was kind of going out on his own um came up to Rockland from the Bay Area and started building his roots with his family here. Um, and Domum kind of gave him 
something to work at. And he hired one of our first uh, employees, Carter, um, who they put a lot of sweat equity in getting things started. Um, and then from there, uh, Tim created a lot of really good relationships with people in the Bay Area and just over the years, a lot of good relationships. So a lot of our work has been word of mouth um, from people that he's known over the years. So from then until now, there's obviously been a big boom in business. But um, from what I understand, there wasn't really when the typical rebranding, when people kind of struggle and kind of try and get their name out there again, I think he kept chugging along pretty well. He's a pretty resilient guy. So he did a pretty good job. How much would you say culture has to do with your interaction with not just your clients, but just with the, the communities in general? Uh, I think it has a, a big, a big aspect to it because I think everything is about relationships. It's, I mean, there's that quote, it's not about uh, what you know, it's all about who you know. Um, so, and especially this industry isn't very big. So the people you know are resources that you can use, um, especially in the community, creating those relationships with building departments and planning departments. Um, so if you're struggling through a project, you have kind of that go-to contact to help you through, um, even just to get questions answered. So again, relationships are huge in this industry, um, just because if you don't know something, somebody's about bound to be there to help you kind of through the process or answer any questions. I was going to ask you, how much is, if you've ever quantified a percentage, is design and how much is the interaction and the interface with your clients? Ooh, I think it's pretty split because you're not going to create a good design if you don't have that relationship with your client. I think in this industry, there is a lot of ego that goes into kind of <laughs> the design. Um, so it's being able to listen to your client and what they want rather than what in your mind is going to create a good design and finding that middle point of giving them what they want and what they need, but also creating something beautiful. Um, so I do think it goes hand in hand because if you're not listening to your client, at the end of the day, you may have a beautiful design, but they may not love it. And they're the ones that have to live in it or deal with it. So I want to make sure they like it. Now, back to touching on that, that ego. What do you personally, if it's too personal a question, you can ask. If, if you can, this is a kind of a big question. If it's too far of a reach, let me know. But how do you, as a company, put your company ego in check so that you're able to listen with uh, clarity to your client and what their uh, outcomes are expected? So we actually, um, through a marketing group, developed uh, what we called a feasibility study or a needs and options report. And we do them for all facets. We do them for our commercial projects, residential, breweries, um, our self-storage. So kind of all aspects of our project, we do this pre-research and we call it our needs and options review. So we look at what the needs are of the client and what options they have. 
So during that, we'll create some initial designs and kind of go through what they're looking for um, to be able to create that relationship with them and kind of put the trust in them that we're here to help them and not just kind of guide them through willy-nilly. Um, so we really do our background research. We've talked to the building departments. We figure out if there's any red flags in the process, kind of give them an upfront idea of what to expect. Um, because a lot of architects, they may assume that homeowners kind of know the process and they're halfway through the process and find out they have a $50,000 fee for whatever. Um, and that could put a, a stop in the project. So we create that relationship with the client early and that trust early by trying to figure all of that ahead of time so that they know we're not trying to just string them along to get a project. Uh, we legitimately want them to have a successful project in the end. Um, so I think that's one thing that we do different than a lot of architects around here is we want to do that pre-research. And if we find out their project's not feasible or we're just not the right architect for them, we have that conversation with them and just let them know like, hey, these are your best next steps. Whether that includes us or not, this is kind of the best way to, to approach your project. That research that you talked about, that takes a tremendous amount of time and effort. Do you quantify it with your clients as well that, look, this is what we're going to do to be so thorough and so specific as to what you're looking for and be able to adjust at the same time Is that without going into your secret sauce. Is that something that's just standard with uh, your practice? Yeah, so it is our first step for basically every project. Um, we have just found over the years that a lot of people don't know what to expect. Um, so giving them some sort of upfront idea of what the process is, what their fees might be. Might be. Um, I mean, even just a lot of people don't realize how many consultants you have to bring on board. So for a new custom home, you're going to need civil, um, an arborist, you're going to need soils report, um, I mean, fire sprinkler, solar, truss, like all these people need to be involved. And to a basic homeowner, they're thinking, I'm hiring an architect and that's going to get me through, um, where they don't realize there's 15 other people that need to be hired on. Um, so kind of giving them that upfront idea of what to expect. And then we developed something called the Domum Delivery Method. And it is basically our roadmap that we show clients. So in every phase of our project, what to expect. Uh, we've color-coded it down to one color is the client, one color is us, the contractor. And depending on the colors, that's who what needs to do, whatever it is. Um, so we've made it very visual um, and then added explanation so the client can understand, okay, this is what's next. This is what needs to be done. Um, so that way that for them, there's no question on where they are in the process, what they're doing. Um, it's just a clear cut makes it as smooth as possible, <laughs> we hope. 
This is uh, terrific. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast presented by Cyroclad. We're talking today with Rachel Dilbeck of Domum Design. For more information, feel free to visit their website at domum.design. That's D-O-M-U-M dot design. If you're at Liberty, Rachel, what projects have you worked on? You don't have to name names unless you'd like to that uh, you think your audience today would like to hear about and some of the challenges and joys of it. Um, I think some of my favorite projects have been um, in the Los Altos area. Um, We have developed a pretty good relationship with their planning and building department. Um, And their planning department is notoriously very difficult to get through. Um, So this developer, uh, they're called West Valley Ventures. They came to us and this is a relationship that actually Tim developed. Um, And they came back to us and said, we've liked working with Tim in the past. Can you guys help us out? Um, So what they do is they look at properties that they can flip um, and then through that process, we kind of, we create the design for them. We go through planning for them. Um, if there's any project that needs to go through a hearing, we help them through that process. Um, and probably my favorite project with them, um, we took a pretty standard looking house in Los Altos. And now it's, I think, almost 6,000 square feet of kind of modern but homey feel. Um, so, and it has the basement's almost 1800 square feet. So from the street, it really, it doesn't look as big as it is. And once you mm-hmm. walk in, it's, it's inviting, but um, very unique to the area for sure. Um, so that's probably my favorite project with them. Um, but I've done a couple others with them and they're just great to work for. Um, and they kind of let me, let me design. Um, (laughs) so that's always fun. Um, and then I work with them in collaboration with other interior designers. And, um, if there's kind of ways to make the best design possible, uh, we all collaborate pretty well together. How much of a factor is sustainability in even the commercial projects that you do, the multifamily and commercial projects, that sustainability is important to you? And and what does it mean to you, um, Domum? Yeah, so, I mean, in California, um, sustainability is a huge thing. Um, Just the requirements that we have to go through with debris removal. And I was just helping one of our our designers here with asbestos removal um, mitigation Mm -hmm. stuff. So, I mean, we deal with that on almost every project. Um, During design, I think sustainability is working with what's there, kind of using the existing topography and creating an interesting design without having to really mess with the existing dirt, with the existing site. Um, But even just during construction, using natural materials, uh, using that stone or repurposing materials. Um, especially in, in my case, I do a lot of remodels and additions. So 
what can we take from the existing house or what can we take that would normally be thrown away and repurpose it somehow? Um, especially in the age of everyone is selling everything on a Craigslist and marketplace. And um, we had a client who they took all their kitchen cabinets and I mean, it takes a little bit more time to not just sledgehammer them off the wall, but they were able to save them all. And some lady bought them and is repurposing them for her garage. So, I mean, that's a lot of cabinetry that is not ending up in landfill or somewhere else. Um, so just kind of thinking of those, those ideas and kind of making your contractors aware of, hey, let's try and repurpose this and reuse it somehow. So it also helps with them with dump loads and um, kind of all that. On, on their end, um, but just kind of educating the contractor as well. There's an interesting quote, and I'm not going to say it exactly because I don't recall it exactly, but I'll get the essence of it is, is uh, why some people, uh, people hire architects and designers and then kind of tell them what to do after they've hired them. <laughs> if you experience that, and if you do, if you have, how do you navigate around that properly or, or without really offending them? Yeah. Um, so in the age of HGTV and a lot of DIYers, um, we get that a lot. Uh, a lot of people don't understand why they need an architect. Um, so yes, DIYers are great, but do they know codes? Do you know what your toilet clearance needs to be? Do you know, especially with, we just had a code cycle change January 1st. Um, a lot of DIYers don't know any of those codes, so they're going to have a much harder process getting through and even getting a permit or, I mean, kind of doing anything. So I think that's where we just try and build their trust. Um, and if there is a disagreement, I'm somebody that I don't take offense if you hate my design. Um, <laughs> if first round you don't like it, okay let's tweak it together. Um, so I think that's where, especially here at Doma, all of us kind of, we do put that ego aside because yes, the client has their ideas, but we can kind of respectfully input ours as well. Um, and back to the HGTV, they do a lot of things that one in California you can't do because of code. Um, so kind of, giving them their dream, but bringing them to reality and just say, hey, this is great. Why don't we try this? Um, or, okay, well, that's your end goal. How do we get there without kind of breaking the building codes or um, even just making it astronomically expensive? Um, because that's another thing clients don't realize is, things are not cheap and things add up quickly. Um, I mean, even just a kitchen remodel could be two, $300,000. So TV makes it look very doable. Um, so we just, from the beginning, we kind of create, again, that trust with our clients so that we can have those conversations where we're not going to offend them. Um, if, 
we don't agree with a design or if their design is, is great, but we have to look like, hey, this doesn't meet XYZ code. Let's get there, but still also get through and get your permit. Um, so we don't shy away from those conversations as much as we don't want to have them. Um, but just creating that trust and relationship early, I think, helps those conversations go a little bit smoother. Yeah, on that, the, that topic of trust, how much is it a factor in your whole overall relationship with your clients, the trust? Uh, I think it's probably the biggest thing. Um, I mean, okay. even with like a romantic relationship, you can't, you want that trust <laughs> there. Um, it's the same thing with a client. Um, if they don't trust you from the beginning, uh, I think there's a lot more issues that happen. Um, especially building permits, like permitting process is a very long process. It's not an easy process. There's a lot of hoops to jump through. Um, so we try and create that trust with our clients that we're going to be an advocate for them. Um, so contacting the building departments, if the building department is asking us to do something that adds $30,000 to the project, well, how are we going to advocate for our clients to make sure that our clients aren't overpaying for something that really isn't necessary. Um, and we make sure to communicate that with our clients. And I think that's also what helps help to build that trust. Um, and I think our trust shows because we do have a lot of clients come back. Um, so I have a contractor who pretty much everything goes through me. Um, if a client doesn't want to work with us, he won't work with them kind of thing. So he has that trust in us that we're going to create quality plans. Um, and with the clients in Los Altos, I mean, they I've worked with them for a couple projects. And I'd say 80% of the time, they kind of just let me design because I know what they're looking for. Um, I know what they like. I know what they don't like. So they put that trust in me that I'm going to give them a quality design and they don't have to nitpick or um, be super involved and which helps the process go a lot quicker for them. This is excellent. You're listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast brought to you by Syraclat. Our public service announcement for today's show is the Vegas Strong Resiliency Center. The Vegas Strong Resiliency Center is a place of healing and support dedicated to serving as a resource and referral center for residents, visitors, and responders affected by the shooting at the Route 91 Harvest Festival. For more information, feel free to visit their website at vegasstrongrc.org. Vegasstrongrc.org. We're talking today with Rachel Dilbeck of Domum Design. Their website is domum.design. That's D-O-M-U-M dot design. Uh, Rachel, with construction, architecture, and design constantly evolving, what's changed in your experience in the last, say, two or three years? I think a lot of the biggest thing that's changed, and we saw this shift probably right around covid um, was things went from everyone wanted this huge open space 
no walls, open concept, mm-hmm. um, kind of one big room that's semi-divided into the dining kitchen, whatever. Um, now we're seeing a little bit more of a shift towards everything kind of having their space again um, and kind of having a designated dining room, a designated living room. Um, a lot of people are adding gyms um, and home offices are a huge thing now where a home office was nice previously, but a lot of people are working from home. So that is a big, big factor in design now is adding that home office. And a lot of kids were doing school from home. So having like a home, a designated homework area. Um, and I have one client that in every one of their designs, they want um, like an office nook for homework and um, kind of anything work related. So that has, for me, been the biggest shift I've seen in remodels. It's just getting those areas into the space. What would you like to share that we haven't talked about on your show today? Maybe something that uh, we may have missed or something that you really would like to share with your audience? Um, I think the biggest thing is just making sure that people put their clients first. Um, and creating, again, creating beautiful design. We talked about it earlier, um, but putting that human factor into the design um, and being able to balance ego and design with creating a space that is for your client. Um, Because at the end of the day, we're not using the space. Um, we may love to, I often create (laughs) designs pretending that I get to use it. Um, but at the end of the day, their lifestyle needs to be conducive to the design that we create or vice versa. Uh, our design needs to make sure to enhance their lifestyle. Um, so just having and building that relationship with the clients and building that trust and, um, having fun along the process. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Rachel, it's been an honor and pleasure having you here today. Thank you very much for being here. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to the Architecture and Innovation Podcast brought to you by Syraclad. Our guest today has been Rachel Dilbeck of Domum Design. Rachel is a Northern California... Rachel Dilbeck of Domum is a Northern California-based architectural and design firm. Rachel's a certified interior designer and chief design officer. I just love that title, chief design officer. They specialize in solving unsolvable problems. As licensed architects in California, Utah, and Idaho, and many other states, they're experienced in multifamily, residential, restaurant, bars, breweries, schools, churches, modular construction, steel frame buildings, retail shopping centers, and commercial tenant improvements. For more information, feel free to visit their website at domum.design. That's D-O- M-U-M dot design. Thank you for listening. Cereclad is a high-performance fiber cement siding system in one size with triple coat technology and 365 days of self-cleaning, along with a 20-year fade limited warranty. Cereclad also offers hundreds of design options. For more information, feel free to visit cereclad.com.